0: Welcome to episode 24 of AI.cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, meatbags. Welcome to AI.cooking, episode 24, a podcast about artificial intelligence. I am Gregory William Forsyth Foreman from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the first half of February 2022 and AI Knowledge Corner. Third time's a charm, everyone. Well, third time's a charm for me too, with my pub, Still got three, waiting on the fourth. The missus has had a child quicker than Bromley Council has managed to change the use of this building. From a repair shop to a pub. But there you go. That's just life, isn't it? Well, today, we've got artificial intelligence news for you. Yes, lots going on in the last couple of weeks. In fact, we have a total of uh, nine articles. So, let's talk news. News. <sighs> OpenAI has released the best alignment paper in the world, or rather, the most woke or least offensive, as it describes how to make AI less toxic. The paper is entitled Aligning Language Models to Follow Instructions. Here is how it works, according to the authors of the paper. The OpenAI API is powered by GPT-3 language models, which can be coaxed to perform natural language tasks using carefully engineered text prompts. But these models can also generate outputs that are untruthful, toxic, or reflect harmful sentiments. This is in part because GPT-3 is trained to predict the next word on a large dataset of internet text, rather than to safely perform the language task that the user wants. In other words, these models aren't aligned with their users. To make our models safer, more helpful, and more aligned, We use an existing technique called Reinforcement Learning from Human Feedback, or RLHF. On prompts submitted by our customers to the API, our labelers provide demonstrations of the desired model behavior, and rank several outputs from our models. We then use this data to fine-tune GPT-3. Secondly, more news from OpenAI Company. OpenAI has built a Neural Theorem Prover for Lean that learned to solve a variety of challenging high school Olympiad problems, including problems from the AMC-12 and AIME competitions, as well as two problems adapted from the IMO. The prover uses a language model to find proofs of formal statements. Each time it finds a new proof, It is used as new training data, which improves the neural network and enables it to iteratively find solutions to harder and harder statements. Thirdly, Tesla recalls nearly 54,000 vehicles that may disobey stop signs. FSD stands for Full Self-Driving and is one of the biggest challenges for artificial intelligence nowadays. Tesla Inc. will recall 53,822 US vehicles with the company's full self-driving beta software that may allow some models to conduct rolling stops and not come to a complete stop at some intersections posing a safety risk. Yeah, <laughs> you're telling me. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, said the feature, also known as FSD Beta, may allow vehicles to travel through an always stop intersection without first coming to a stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, who would do that? Would you be sat there going, well, the AI is, is still in control, darling. I should let it do its thing. <laughs> mm. I mean, what are you doing, reading a magazine? Scrolling through Instagram or whatever? I don't know. What, what's, what's going on there? This is terrible. Drive your cars, people. Fourthly, AI has achieved skill level of average human programmers. DeepMind, competitive programming with alpha code. Solving novel problems and setting a new milestone in competitive programming. Creating solutions to unforeseen problems is second nature in human intelligence. A result of critical thinking informed by experience. The machine learning community has made tremendous progress in generating and understanding textual data, But advances in problem-solving remain limited to relatively simple maths and programming problems, or else retrieving and copying existing solutions. As part of DeepMind's mission to solve intelligence, DeepMind created a system called AlphaCode that writes computer programs at a competitive level. AlphaCode! achieved an estimated rank within the top 54% of participants in programming competitions by solving new problems that require a combination of critical thinking, logic, algorithms, coding, and natural language understanding. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. That's, um... Okay. Just over half of our news articles now gone. For episode 24 of AI.Cooking, Facebook's AI boss thinks that AI is more stupid than a cat. Hmm, how stupid are cats, is the question. Some smart cats out there, aren't I Some pretty cool cats. Note, Facebook is now known as Meta. So, Meta's AI chief, three major challenges of artificial intelligence. Born in 1960... AI researcher Yan Li Kun is considered one of the world's most important AI researchers. Among other things, he was involved in the invention of convolutional neural nets, or CNN, which led to a breakthrough in AI image analysis. In 2018, Li Kun received the Turing Award, the highest honour in computer science, for his research. In 2013, Mark Zuckerberg hired the AI researcher for Facebook, where he helped establish the Facebook AI Research Lab, or FAIR, (laughs) FAIR. Oh, Zuck, 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 Zuck. Likun is still chief AI scientist and vice president there today. Despite all the successes of AI research, Likun doesn't see artificial intelligence as being even on the cognitive level of a house cat, he revealed in a talk around 2018. It lacks a rudimentary understanding of the world, he said. "Oh, well, Mr. Yan Likun... Lee Kun, your name for media and media analysis and people saying that, that sucks. Yan Lee Kun L E C U N Capital C. I mean, you're one T away from being a right making a right, you know, summit of yourself if you make the wrong wrong steps up over at fair, the Facebook AI Research Lab. <laughs> Hiding in plain sight, numero six oh in Orlando, Florida, a conference called AI3 Business Forum took place a meeting of a group that works to advance industrial automation through AI, robotics, and other tools. While the conference itself was not about AI per se, there were several AI-related topics covered. Andrew mm, what these guys and their names, pretty sure I'm getting that right. From deeplearning.ai reports... Many attendees observed that manufacturing and industrial automation are still in an early phase of adopting cloud computing and AI and the number of viable use cases is still small but growing. Several CEOs commented on the high cost of customizing systems for different environments and seemed to be considering vertical platforms where the customer does the customization as a promising solution. Oh yeah, yeah, I get this. Yeah, I've seen this before. You do all the work, little man, and we'll take all the money. Some executives in manufacturing and AI told me about other hyped AI applications that had failed and poisoned the well for other teams now trying to follow. This speaks to the importance of avoiding hype. The supply chain disruptions you read about in the news are real. I heard many stories about nearly finished products that would have shipped months ago if they weren't missing a part. It makes me grateful that in the software world, we can easily supply as many copies as a customer wishes to purchase. Qui bono, sign so number seven. Fake faces are good training data. Collecting and annotating a dataset of facial portraits is a big job. New research shows that synthetic data can work just as well. Oh, hello, birds. (laughs) A team led by Errol Wood and Tadas Baltrositis at Microsoft, used a 3D model to generate an effective training set for face-passing algorithms. A team led by Errol Wood and Tadas Balthasaitis at Microsoft used a 3D model to generate an effective training set for face-passing algorithms intended to recognize facial features. The Face Synthetics dataset comprises 100,000 diverse synthetic portraits in which each pixel is annotated according to parts of the face. Face datasets annotated with facial features are expensive and time-consuming to build. Beyond the ethical issues that arise in collecting pictures of people, that re- they require that every pixel of every image be labelled. Creating high-quality synthetic images can be similarly difficult, since a digital artist must design each face individually. A controllable 3D model can ease the burden of producing and labelling realistic portraits. The authors used a high-quality 3D model of a face comprising over 7,000 polygons and vertices, as well as four joints, that changes shape depending on parameters defining a unique identity, expression, and pose. They fit the model to the average face derived from 500 scans of people with diverse backgrounds. Our comment... Using simulated data to train models is a trend also used to train self-driving AI models. Simulated data is obviously easier to generate than real-life data, but this trend does not prove the simulation hypothesis yet that we live in computer simulation. However, it could indicate why such simulation would make sense to train AI. Whoa. So we're only here to train them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you never know, folks. It's on the table, isn't it? Really? Well, I don't know. And our penultimate news article for this fortnight is about Deep Mind the podcast which is returning for Season 2. Google's subsidiary DeepMind writes on their blog, We believe artificial intelligence, or AI, is one of the most significant technologies of our age, and we want to help people. We believe artificial intelligence, or AI, is one of the most significant technologies of our age, and we want to help people understand its potential and how it's being created. In 2019, we released DeepMind, the podcast, to explore these ideas, answer common questions, and give an inside look at how AI research happens at a lab like DeepMind. Today, we're proud to launch a new season with stories of the latest breakthroughs, innovations, and challenges. Listeners can find the new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or their favourite podcast app by searching for DeepMind. The podcast. Yeah, or you could just use uh, one of them new podcast apps from newpodcastapps.com. That's the best place to find your podcasting apps these days. Podcasting 2.0, all that stuff. And perhaps the most important news article of the fortnight from us is United Nations World Health Organization, or UNWHO, has released new document in PDF format entitled, Ageism in Artificial Intelligence for Health. Here is a summary from their press release. The WHO highlights benefits and dangers of artificial intelligence for older people. An elderly person uses a smartphone. In a new policy brief, Ageism in Artificial Intelligence for Health The agency presents legal, non-legal, and technical measures that can be used to minimise the risk of exacerbating or introducing ageism through AI. That's very kind of them, I suppose. Artificial intelligence is revolutionising many fields, including public health and medicine for older people. The technology can help predict health risks and events, enable drug development, and support the personalization of care management, and much more. Risks. There are concerns, however. If left unchecked, AI technologies may perpetuate existing ageism in society and undermine the quality of health and social care that older people receive. The data used can be unrepresentative of older people or skewed by past ageist stereotypes, prejudice or discrimination. The data used can be unrepresentative of older people or skewed by past ageist stereotypes, prejudice or discrimination. Flawed assumptions of how older people wish to live or interact with technology in their daily lives can also limit the design and reach of these technologies they can also reduce intergenerational contact or deepen existing barriers to digital access. According to the Unit Head of Demographics and Health Aging at the WHO, Alana Officer, the implicit and explicit biases of society, including around age, are often replicated in this field. To ensure that AI technologies play a beneficial role, ageism must be identified and eliminated from their design, Development, use and evaluation. This new policy brief shows how, she said. Considerations. In the new document, WHO introduces eight considerations, including participatory design of AI technologies by and with older people, age-diverse data science teams, and age-inclusive data collection the agency also makes the case for investments in digital infrastructure and digital literacy for older people and their healthcare providers and caregivers, rights of older people to consent and contest and governance frameworks and regulations to empower and work with older people. Ah, oh, muscling in on the old AI side of it, are you, WHO? Ay, ay, ay. Got your fingers in many pies now, haven't you? Finally, WHO asks for increased research to understand new uses of AI and how to avoid bias and robust ethics processes in the development and application of these technologies. Fight ageism! The policy brief aligns with the messages of the Global Report on Ageism, which serves as the bias for the global campaign to combat ageism. Produced by WHO in collaboration with the UN Human Rights Office, or OHCHR, the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs, or UNDESA, UNDESA, and the UN Population Fund, UNFPA, UNFPA, <laughs> yes bro, the UN Population Fund, gotta get me some of that, the report notes that ageism is highly prevalent and harmful but can be eliminated, right, good luck, I've tried to teach, I mean part of, I think you just need kind of millennials and kind of younger people to help! I've the amount of times in the pub I have people come up to me with their phone and they hand me an iPhone they're like I can't get this to work, how do you do this and I always say to them I say, I don't know iPhones I don't use them and if it's an Android I give them help because I do know Android phones, I've used them for ages and I use a No Agenda phone nowadays which is available at noagendaphone.com or you can just pick up a one of them nifty Handsets yourself and do it all yourself like I did. Don't, don't have to pay them money if you don't want to, but you can give them value. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Value for value is the buzz term of the decade, isn't it? Maybe even the century. Who knows? Finally, it highlights the need to improve data and research on ageism and change the narrative around age to make the hashtag a world for all ages. A reality. Ah well, these creepy people with their hearts in the right place. But that's what they do. They, they, They pull on your heartstrings by offering you the thing that you want most, which is a nice, decent life for Minan. Finally, the knowledge corner. Jupiter. No, not the planet Jupiter, but a tech used by many AI researchers. What is the Jupiter notebook? The Jupyter Notebook app is a server-client application that allows editing and running notebook documents via a web browser. Here is a short summary from Wikipedia. Project Jupyter is a project and community whose goal is to develop open-source software, open standards, and services for interactive computing across dozens of programming languages. It was spun off from IPython in 2014 by Fernando Perez and Brian Granger. Purpose, to support interactive data science and scientific computing across all programming languages. Founded, 2014. Abbreviation, Jupiter. Regarding the name, Jupiter. Project Jupiter's name is a reference to the three core programming languages supported by Jupiter, which are Julia, Python, and R. Hmm, Julia, Python, and R. And also a homage to Galileo's notebooks recording the discovery of the moons of Jupiter. So, Jupiter could be considered an abbreviation from Ju from Julia, Pi from Python, and the R programming language that is second most popular after Python in data science. Jupiter, Jupiter, we should say Jupiter, 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 <laughs> Jupiter. Interestingly, there are many other projects that support other languages inside of Jupyter or Jupyter notebooks, including C sharp, SQL, F sharp, JavaScript, and PowerShell etc. Generally speaking, there are Jupyter Notebooks, Jupyter Labs that consist of several notebooks and Jupyter Hubs that are spanning multiple servers to run Jupyter Notebooks for multiple users. Jupyter Notebooks are available via free service, Google Colab that is available also in premium versions Google Colab Pro and supports hardware acceleration for machine learning with the use of GPU graphic processing unit and TPU Tensor Processing Units. Jupyter Notebooks can run also offline in Visual Studio Code, the very popular IDE, Integrated Development Environment from Microsoft Super Corporation. If you don't want to use other companies' services, the easiest way to run Jupyter Notebooks is to install Anaconda either locally in your PC or in a Linux box on the internet albeit hardware acceleration for machine learning computations might not be that fast as with Google Colab. A little FAQ about Jupyter. Is Jupyter an IDE? Jupyter Notebook is kind of an open-source IDE that is used to create Jupyter documents that can be created and shared with live codes. Also, it is a web-based interactive computational environment, The Jupyter Notebook can support various languages that are popular in data science such as Python, Julia, Scala, R, etc. What is the difference between Jupyter and Python? Python is an open-source general-purpose programming language. Spyder is a Python IDE or Integrated Development Environment that eases the Python software development workflow. Jupyter is a browser based environment where you can write and run Python code as well as document it using Markdown Markup Language. Should I use Jupyter? If you need to create long self contained classes or just pack your code for submission, you might prefer moving your code from Jupyter to an IDE. Jupyter is great for development. But once you've done the developing, it isn't the best place for constant implementation. Why is Jupyter Notebook so popular? Due to the rising popularity of open-source software in the industry, along with rapid growth of data science and machine learning, the Jupyter Notebook has become ubiquitous among data scientists. The maturation of scientific Python and data science is another reason for this platform to gain traction. Can I download Jupyter without Anaconda? Yes, you can install Jupyter Notebook without Anaconda. First, download and install Python. Ensure that you tick Add Python to Path when installing Python. Follow further steps and wait for Jupyter Notebook to install. Why should you not use Jupyter notebook? Here is an example from a critic. The biggest drawback for me is that they enable the production of bad code, bad in the sense that it isn't modular. Even though some tools exist to import a notebook into another, it isn't tested, or at least it is very hard to do so. But we, including CSB who is using Jupyter daily, Think that Jupiter is absolutely worth using to better understand and to research many topics quickly, albeit, we agree that sometimes, particularly for productization purposes, it's better to develop AI algos without Jupiter. Whew. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe, clump, and stay dangerous, meatbag. Singularity is near!